Welcome to Insight, the insurance news podcast hosted by me, Andrew Silcox. In this week's edition of Insight, we consider the good, the bad, and the ugly of the insurance industry as I bite down on my cigar, squint my eyes against the desert sun, and doff my 10-gallon hat to Clint Eastwood. Last week, ASIC were asking insurers one rhetorical question. Do you feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? The answer to that question is worth 40 million for IAG. As far as I can tell, the Australian Law Reform Commission did two things wrong. Firstly, they asked a question. And second, they asked another question about financial services laws and regulations. And ASIC are on the warpath with their pet orangutan in the passenger seat, saying right turn, Clyde, to pet insurance providers. Hello, everyone. This week, I'm joined by senior journalists Miranda Maxwell and Bernice Han, Deputy Editor Wendy Pugh and Chairman Terry McMullen. Hello, Terry. Hello, Andrew. Which Clint Eastwood character are you? Oh, definitely the pale rider. Hi, Bernice. Hi, Andrew. You and Miranda must be the good in the good, the bad and the ugly. I can't speak for Miranda, but I think I'm the bad. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Wendy. Oh, good morning, Andrew. I was assuming that it would make John the bad after all these uh, an ashes shenanigans. He must be fuming. <laughs> it's probably just as well he's not here to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Miranda. Morning, Andrew. I guess that leaves the ugly to me, hey? You can have it. I don't want it. <laughs> well, Miranda, the federal court has imposed a 40 million penalty on those punks IAG on failed pricing promises. Can you tell us what happened there? Uh-huh. This is a case of IAG over-promising and under-delivering and also of ASIC showing it's not a toothless tiger, just in case anyone thought so, because this was the largest penalty for breaches of the financial services consumer protection laws ever. Uh, it comes after IAG brand IAL used a pricing algorithm that limited the discounts renewing customers could receive So that ensured their premiums didn't fall below a certain price point. And unfortunately, that meant promised discounts weren't passed on. The $40 million was intended as a strong deterrent to ensure insurers don't just treat non-compliance as a mere cost of doing business. IAG had actually already self-reported that its NRMA insurance home, motor caravan and boat policies had missed out on the promised loyalty discounts, which affected around 600,000 customers between 2014 and 2019, and most have already been refunded. So IAG apologised for the failure and says it recognises its significance and that it was unacceptable. And meanwhile, ASIC says pricing failures are industry-wide And it's calling on all general insurers to remove unnecessary pricing complexity and fix their systems and controls. And Bernice, ASIC have also taken action on pet insurance products, hasn't it? Yeah, so ASIC called uh, Hollard and its underwriting business pet sure. That's to do with some uh, 67 pet insurance products that they sell. And we've seen them when we are at Woolies, you know, um, and at RSPCA if we do go there. So um, all in, uh, the regulator issued 38 interim orders uh, banning the sales of the products. So ASIC is not happy with what they say, uh, what it says are deficiencies in the products, uh, TMDs, not DMZs, or TMDs, uh, target market determinations. So um, just very quickly, so insurers now have to provide TMDs for products that they sell. The idea is, the aim is to make sure that the products are aimed at the uh 
targeted market. So ASIC is saying that the TMDs of the affected products have a, have a couple of problems. So uh, not considering the financial situation of consumers is one. So specifically their ability to afford the premium. So ASIC say um, it, it has got it has concerns around that. So, but then the orders were lifted almost as soon as it was announced. So the, the after um, Hollard and Patcher, you know, uh, tweaked their, or rather improved the TMDs and ASIC is satisfied with that. So that's that's the pet saga that we had <laughs> for less than 24 hours. Yep. Well, Terry, what do you make of all this regulatory activity and what message does it send? Well, the message is that regulators in Europe and even in, in parts of Asia and obviously also Australia, they're all getting tougher. I don't know what the hell's happening in the US. The, the situation there is too confusing to say. But certainly corporate and financial regulators don't operate in a, in a vacuum. So the global trend has become, particularly coming from the UK, the trend really is to use a big stick. And that, that's certainly been the trend recently with, with ASIC, APRA, and even the ACCC. Of course, we've... We've also had the Hain Royal Commission, which kind of reinforced the fact that the days of light touch oversight were on their way out. Now financial regulators are talking a lot more about intervening than than constantly consulting companies and asking them to fix things. I think the intention is to remedy faults that they see in the industry and the action is to cause significant financial pain, which never pleases shareholders and tends to really agitate directors. The Australian Law Reform Commission is completing an inquiry into financial service laws and regulations, isn't it, Wendy? What are they recommending? This is a three-year inquiry that came out of the Hain Royal Commission, which found complexity in financial laws was hindering compliance. So the Law Reform Commission, in its third report, which it's just released, looks at uh, Chapter 7 of the Corporations Act, and it, it finds rules related to things like um, financial disclosure and, and advice are kind of scattered everywhere, and there's overlap with some things in the ASIC Act. And so in this report, it recommends tidying it up and making it more coherent. So they're seeking um, submissions and they'll combine the feedback with the responses on their two previous interim reports and they'll deliver, deliver that combined final report to the government by the end of November. Do you think there needs to be a complete reorganisation of the laws, Terry? Well, you know, our, our financial services laws are bound up with a lot of other stuff in separate acts, which is hardly ideal. And it's a situation that's just developed over time. And as financial services has has really grown a, an identity of its own, if you like, and there's the risk of interpretations not agreeing with each other. That's always there. So I agree with the Law Reform Commission. Get it organised to be coherent. You know, so, so it's not a, a lawyer's nightmare or wet dream. Well, Miranda, there's a new report out that shows it's far from smooth sailing for insurtechs. What does the report say? This is the first time we've had a second quarter figure out on venture capital appetite for insurtechs. And it shows we're right back at fairly meagre 2018 levels. The state of global insurtech report is put together by Generali and Mupfrey and other firms, and it found First half Insutech funding was down 45% to 2.4 billion US dollars. This 
is after what they're calling a disillusionment phase after some previously shining lights like Lemonade lost $90 million US dollars in a quarter last year. And that triggered what they call the death of Insutech 1.0 and cast Insutechs away from the funding spotlight. But the report really stresses that despite a two-year funding roller coaster, there's still a massive $7 trillion opportunity in Insutech. And it is vastly underfunded when compared with other sectors. So it's saying now Insutechs have moved away from growth at all costs and are focused on operational efficiency, it's confident it will have future success. Well, and finally, it's been a while since you talked about the cyclone reinsurance pool, but more insurers are joining, aren't they, Wendy? Yes, Suncorp announced last week that they've joined the pool, which is uh, six months ahead of the deadline and ties in with them finalising their other uh, commercial reinsurance. So all large insurers with eligible risks have to join the pool by the end of this year and and smaller insurers have an extra um, 12 months after that. So RACQ Insurance has this week said it's joining um, and you'd expect a a steady stream of these announcements um, from here. But while insurers are saying they will pass on pool savings, there are still a range of upward pressures on premiums, um, particularly as a result of increasing cost of catastrophes and um, inflation generally in building and labour costs. So it does sound like um, in making these announcements, they're also just trying to dampen expectations around the level of savings um, or benefit that people will see. And Aon has made some comments about the pool's impact on the reinsurance market. What are they seeing, Bernice? Yeah, so the pool is having an uh, impact, a positive impact, I should add. In Aon's uh, latest update on uh, mid-year conditions in the reinsurance renewal market, premiums remain elevated, but Aon says the pool has actually uh, taken some of the pressure off. And by that, Aon was referring to demand supply pressures. So uh, the market actually purchased around 10 to 15% less catastrophe limit compared to last year. So, and that is good news for the Australian market since the uh, majority of property catastrophe accounts renew at uh, June 1st and July 1st. Do you think the worst might be over for insurers after the recent tougher conditions in reinsurance, Terry? Well, uh, there's certainly some promising signs. Um, We reported Aon's latest summary of the market, I think it was on Monday. And look, really, if I summarised what they say, the, the January 1 renewals, which mainly are for US and European markets. They were really pretty tough, but Aon says there's been a major shift in in reinsurers' appetite since then, and that mid-year capacity was more readily available, and some reinsurers have shown a much greater willingness to take on new risks. So, Look, capacity was stable and sufficient to meet demand, says Aon, despite a a number of significant catastrophe events in recent years. Interestingly, it says that the the pressure on terms of and conditions has eased and at current pricing and retention levels, the the reinsurance market seems to have found a new level where it can make sustained returns and provide volatility protection for insurers. Love that elegance. So it's a much less brutal message than the sort that Aon's been reporting over the past couple of years. And really, locally, as they say, reinsurers have 
found a new level where they can work effectively and profitably, the hunt for that same sort of level is is happening in the local market. And I think that's key to how much the market is changing at present. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's Inside Podcast by Insurance News. Thank you once again to our panel, Wendy Pugh, Terry McMullen, Benice Han and Miranda Maxwell. Enjoy your week and thank you all for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at editor at insurancenews.com.au. We value your input. You can read all these stories and many others at your leisure at insurancenews.com.au. You can subscribe to the Inside Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google, and all your favorite podcast platforms now. We look forward to catching up again next week.